0: in this week's episode of farmers inside track how to export your fresh produce to the global markets penetrating any market is a tireless exercise but going global is a different ball game we have the perfect checklist
1: ugandan veterinarian and smallholder farmer emma Nalyima practices a unique and highly effective blend of integrated farming Find out how this dynamic farmer turned a profit on just the half a hectare of land.
0: Farmers chose Crush It! Why now is the time to cash in on your passion as their book of the week. And the app of the week connects farmers in emerging markets with the formal marketplace.
1: We chat to Lo van Rienen, the CEO of the Beefmaster Group, about the benefits of a reward system for agri-businesses now at a time when most businesses have been scaling down, they've paid special COVID-19 bonuses to staff to thank them for sharing the pain brought on by the pandemic.
0: And hydroponics farmer Byron Boyson believes diversification is key to mitigate farming risks. Also find out how Agility Agri can help contribute to the well-being of your employees in the Squared Agri Update. This is Farmers Inside Track,
2: supported by Food for Zanzi, inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs.
0: Hey Mzansi, welcome to episode 59 of Food for Zanzi's weekly podcast called Farmers Inside Track. I'm your host Dawn Numdu and you're listening to South Africa's leading farmers podcast.
1: And I'm Duncan Masua and Dawn, let me just say it is great to be back, but a warm welcome to all our listeners in sub-Saharan Africa and other parts of the world. Now, if you're listening to this, be sure that this episode will help you hit the ground running.
0: So excited to kick off today's show. Now, penetrating any market is no child's play, even more so if you're going global. I'm now joined by a colleague Donna van Eden who will tell you exactly how to export your fresh produce
3: to global markets. Mzanzi's fresh fruit industry is currently the largest exporter of agriculture products. But tapping into the export markets as a startup farmer is no child's play. Food Mzanzi asked Usair Esak, Managing Director of Fresh Produce Supplier and Distributor Ripe, his top tips to export your fresh produce. And guess what? It's not always that difficult. So Usair... What should Mzanzi's farmers know if they want to start exporting fresh produce on the global market?
4: If you want to start exporting fresh produce on the global market, I think it's important to know uh, what sort of documentation is required, the certification that's required, the procedures, the methods that work with the shipping lines. It's important to know the technical details about fruit and how it travels, for example, at what temperature the fruit or vegetable needs to travel. A lot of people think selling fruit is as simple as picking it off a tree, putting it in a box and shipping it off, but there's a lot more technical details. Luckily, the government and a few other organizations are quite helpful, so a simple Google search or getting in touch with the Department of Agriculture, you'll be able to find this information.
3: So what types of produce should they look at then if they want to join the fresh produce exporting game?
4: The type of produce to look at, I think the basic ones are important because South Africa is world-renowned for those ones and that's fruits such as your citrus, apples, pears, grapes and part of citrus obviously oranges, lemons, soft citrus, etc i think if you have a good portfolio of these farmers and a good customer of these fruits then you are able to at least start the business because the demand is always there and south african produce is some of the best in the world i also think it's good especially if you're a newcomer into this industry which is quite saturated and it's quite an old industry so a lot of farmers and customers already have many many years and decades of relationships So I think it's important that you consider niche items such as your vegetables, maybe like kiwi fruit, cherries, pomegranates, lychees, etc. These fruits we have available in South Africa, but they aren't as widely available and they aren't as well known in terms of us exporting them. So to differentiate yourself, I think it's important to consider these other fruits and vegetables.
3: I guess it's also important to know the pros and cons for each market. So what market details do you think they should take into account when they look at exporting their produce?
4: All markets in the world have pros and cons, no matter where you go to. I think it's important that you know these pros and cons before trying to penetrate each market. Some of the pros and cons could fall into the categories of the price they pay, their payment terms, the security of getting your money back, the professionalism of the people in those countries, whether they're English speaking or not, the hours that these countries deal in. For example, China's clock is completely different to ours, so they might wanna speak to you at odd hours of the morning because that's when they do business. That is part of business and entrepreneurship, but I think it's just something you need to take into consideration. And when it comes to a market like the UK, most exporters go there, so there isn't much room for newcomers. But in a market like the UK, you know your money is safe. It's a first world country. They pay well, they pay on time, and they're English speaking. While a market like the Middle East, not as many exporters go there. But you're dealing with a foreign country. And when I say foreign, I mean one that doesn't speak English. One which is a bit more risky to go to. Its legal system is a lot more different to ours. So if there's any issues to try and get money back out of it's much harder. So those are the kinds of pros and cons you need to weigh out.
3: And is there anything else that you think would be relevant for them to take into account?
4: I think you need to also take into consideration, and this is in my opinion, but the way to make money in this industry is to try and mitigate your losses. In this industry, a fresh produce industry, you will always make losses. It will either come from customers not paying you, from the quality going bad, which is as a result of delays from the shipping line or the farmers having bad weather just before packing, etc, etc. So if you can mitigate those losses, It means you'll make more money throughout the year so it's important to have proper technical checks and quality control checks on the fruit before exporting it to have credit insurance in place on your customers if they don't pay you you at least covered for 80 percent of your invoice to have marine insurance in place for example if You booked the fruit to travel at 2 degrees, but it ended up traveling at 10 degrees and the fruit went off. Then at least you covered for those sort of scenarios. So risk mitigation is a very important factor.
1: Thanks, Donna. Next up, Ugandan veterinarian and smallholder farmer Emma Nelhima practices a unique and highly effective blend of integrated farming. Find out how she turned a profit with half a hectare of land, which is equivalent to about 16 tennis courts. Now that sounds impressive, right?
5: I wake up every morning to hold a board meeting with my animals and plants on the farm. And they say to me, if you take care of us, we shall take care of you all the way to the bank. This I do diligently on my one-acre farm that I practice integrated farming. Many times we believe that for someone to be a farmer, they need to have big chunks of land. And it makes economic sense because of the high yields they get if they look after their farms very well. Unfortunately, this is not the case in Uganda, my country. Due to the cultural practices we have, when someone dies, all his belongings are shared by the rest of the family, land inclusive. I'll give you an example. My husband, whose father had 40 children and one square mile. When he died, my husband and his 39 siblings had to share his belongings. And my husband ended up getting about two acres. Now, If these people die, God forbid, their children, mine inclusive, are going to share the pieces of land their parents partook of their grandparents' belongings. It will literally mean that each child will get about 30 decimals, slightly bigger than a quarter an acre. Does that mean these children won't farm, considering that the backbone of our nation, Uganda, is agriculture? I know someone in Kenya who makes hell lots of money from just a quarter, a piece of land with 40 Frasian cows. I divided my farm into four quarters. The first quarter, I keep pigs, and I play with the pig dung with the 30 sows I have to produce food for chickens and fish. This is what I do. In the morning when I pick the pig dung from the piggery house, I leave it out in the open for six to eight hours, and in so doing, flies come along and they lay eggs on it. I then cover it for four to five days, And when I open it, I get nice juicy maggots. These, I feed my chickens. And then, after I've picked the maggots out of the pig dung, I still introduce earthworms. And when I do, the earthworms multiply. As they are multiplying, they eat on the pig dung and they produce soil. This soil, I use to grow vegetables. And sometimes, I sell to the people in the city for their potted plants. And as the earthworms multiply, they excrete. When they excrete, I use the excreta as a pesticide and a fertilizer for my garden. Pig dung is gold to me because I save 80% of my cost of production by feeding the chickens and the fish, which I wouldn't have done if I was using commercial feed. The second quarter, I keep cattle. While almost everyone in Uganda uses firewood and charcoal to cook, I use dung for the cows. I introduce it in an anaerobic digester. This is an airtight tank that uses microorganisms to degrade the cow dung. And in the process, it produces biogas that I use to cook. I don't have soot, where the rest of the people who use charcoal and firewood do. And in the process, I serve on what would have happened if we cut down trees to make charcoal and biogas. Because when we do that, we bring climate change issues. The slurry that comes out of the biogas, I use this as manure for my farm. In this third quarter, I grow matoke or plantain. This is my staple food. And just like maize is the staple for South Africa, wheat for the US and rice for the Asians. So where I have my farm, Everyone believes that nothing can ever grow there because the soils are red. And I don't blame them because while in school, we were taught that fertile soils are black. These were the loam soils. But the soil in my garden says, uh-oh, you won't grow here. And the matoke says, I will if I'm given water and manure. This I do by collecting all the urine from the pigs, all the urine from the cows and the slurry. If I'm not mistaken, I'm the best Matoke farmer in my country. Because in a quarter an acre, I get 30 bunches from this. And on average, I sell each bunch at $10. The fourth quarter, I keep fish. In a space of 2 meters by 4 meters by 1 meter depth, I can keep 500 catfish. I also do aquaponics. This is where water that comes from the fish goes through the plants and as it goes through the plants the plants filter it because they take the ammonia the nitrous that were produced with the fish down so when it goes through the plants and back to the water or to the fish it is clean oxygenated water for my tilapia. Tilapia needs oxygen. In a space of eight meters by 15 meters I grow tomatoes, and I can have 4,800 kilos in six months, which amounts to about 2,700 U.S. dollars. I also do hydroponics. This is soilless farming, where cereals like barley are used. They're sprouted and using germination, conditions of germination, that is air, water, and warmth. And when I do that, in six days, I produce food for my animals. In a space of 20 feet by 6 feet, that's just about a container, I can grow fodder for 4 kilograms of fodder for either 100 pigs or 20-25 cows or 1,500 chicken. And if my pigs eat this, I produce good quality pork. If my chickens eat this, I have yellow yolk eggs, which I sell expensively because they're organic. And if the cattle eat this, I'll have milk without having to struggle to cut down trees or moving around looking for grass. Out of the proceeds from the farm, my husband and I decided to build a primary school. This school teaches sons and daughters of African farmers the three things Africans are offer to teach their children. Time management, value of money, and the culture of saving. By teaching them modern methods of agriculture,
0: Thanks for joining us, Emma Naluima, Ugandan veterinarian and smallholder farmer. Next up, we're joined by Lo van Rienen, the CEO of the Beefmaster Group. He's got some great tips on the benefits of employee rewards and recognition programs. Lo, thanks for joining us on Farmers Inside Track. At a time when many businesses are scaling down, why has Beefmasters taken the decision to instead reward staff?
6: It is important because The business did do well and had to recognize that the staff were part of the success and that we can't simply just turn around as the managers of business to say that the business needs to take that recognition. We have to give back to the staff and we have to show to the staff that we really care.
0: Generally speaking, why is employee rewards and recognition so important, especially during a time of crisis?
6: The most important factor to understand is that money is not the driving force for staff to perform. So if you can find on mutual ground what it is that staff really care about and what makes them perform well, then that could lead to profits that is over and above the norm. And if you then incentivize staff according to those profits, then the business will benefit. So start a rewarding program, but really encourage the staff to come and talk to you and tell you what is it that they really need for them to
0: perform well. Do you have any practical tips for farmers and agripreneurs who want to start their own reward system for staff?
6: At this time when so many companies are scaling down, Why is it important to reward staff with incentives? It is important because the staff made a lot of sacrifices. We need to understand that Beefmaster was declared as an essential service, which comes with responsibility that we couldn't close the business down. It was against the law to do that, so staff had to comply and had to come to work. And with that came certain challenges, and the staff took risks. And also had added costs because of that. Vehicle transport, costs to look after children, extra cost for food. All those came with the extra challenge of coming to work.
0: Thank you, Lo van Rijnen the CEO of the Beefmaster Group. Wow, Mom, why did
3: you put on this chicken?
5: Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain chickens.
3: Oh, Mom, this is amazing.
5: You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen, and marinated products, make grain chickens your number one choice. grain chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens. Bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za
1: This is Farmer's Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Food for Mzanzi. Do you have a hobby you wished could make you money? An obsession that keeps you up at night? Our book of the week as selected by our farmers is Crush It! Why now is the time to cash in on your passion by Gary Vaynerchuk. Now, we loved reading this book because it taught us how to use the power of the internet to turn real interests into real businesses.
5: A book that I put so much heart and soul into. It's kind of a blueprint. I kind of call it like the secret for business with details. It's got the huge overview of the business world as I see it today, but with enormous amounts of details to how to leverage it. Kind of like a step-by-step blueprint of what I did to build up my brand and Wine Library TV and just a lot of heart and soul and innuendos and ideas. I don't even know what innuendos mean, but examples. And just a lot of thought and effort went into putting out this book. And I think it's really something I'm very proud of and very excited about and really feel that it has the oomph to be a very substantial business book. I really think it is for, you know, Sally Arkansas or for the top CEOs of any Fortune 500 company. I think there's a lot of vision and pulse in this book.
1: Super inspiring stuff right there. There was, of course, Gary Vaynerchuk, the author of Crush It!, why now is the time to cash in on your passion. Remember, you can email info at foodformzanzi.co.za if you want to suggest the next book of the week. Next up, we catch up with Karida Tintolo, the co-founder of the Kula app that is connecting smallholder farmers to markets in Mzanzi. Let's find out how
7: you can tap into local markets. So the idea for Kula was really prompted by a trip to Israel that my business partner took. When he came back, he couldn't stop raving about the agricultural innovation that he had seen, where you have this little country that's on a desert but has so much agricultural output, even more than most African countries. And that really prompted us to start asking questions about agriculture in an African context, in terms of what was the state of agriculture. And going in, we thought that the fact that we came from a finance background would almost be a disadvantage. But it turned out to be our biggest advantage because the things that people in the industry found to be normal, we found to actually be appalling. The fact that Africa has about 60% of the world's arable land, yet we're importing about $40 billion worth of food into the continent really didn't make sense for us. And if you look at it at a more emerging farmer level in a a South African context, just how difficult it is for an emerging farmer to sell their product consistently. And not just emerging farmers, also even for commercial farmers to find consistency in the market, but also to be able to have choice within the market and have full transparency. And that's sort of what prompted the idea for Kula, which was, when we started really about connecting farmers with buyers. But over time, we have realized that there's a huge gap, even with farmers being able to purchase inputs, everything from crop protection, crop nutrition, seeds, and all those kind of sort of products. We've actually found that farmers are quite receptive to new technology, contrary to popular belief. And I think in our case, with having an app, we've found that with the much older crop of farmers, WhatsApp did a lot of the the heavy mileage for us. I think WhatsApp is quite widely adopted by even all the people. And I think it sort of did the heavy mileage for us where they know what an app is, where they know what the app store is to download, to update, and all that kind of stuff. For us, we really almost landed on a softer level at the market because of the mileage that WhatsApp sort of put in for us. But at a broader level, I think farmers are receptive to sort of any solutions that are coming in to sort of move them forward. And I think even as a general advice to farmers across the board, I think farmers must continue to challenge the status quo, to challenge some of the assumptions that have been put forth as being normal, and they must continue to be receptive to new technology that aims to sort of increase their yield, that aims to sort of increase the access to market and not just for cooler, but any new technology. And I think if we continue to do that, we will be in a better position to, to position South Africa and even to position Africa as a whole well to sort of be the breadbasket of the world because we have such a massive competitive advantage that we need to harness.
5: Life in South Africa can be a lot. I mean, scroll through Twitter for a and tell me I'm wrong.
0: Remember to stay tuned for our chat with hydroponics farmer Byron Boyson. But first, the Health Squared Agri update, empowering future-focused farmers. This week, Bianca Falune, the Director of Marketing, Distribution and Rewards, unpacks how agility can help to contribute
8: to the well-being of your employees. I'm joined today by Bianca Falloum, she is is the Director of Marketing and Distribution as well as Rewards at Agility Agri, and today we're going to be unpacking the Agility Life Solution and what it's all about. Bianca, welcome back, it's always great to chat to you, great to see you again. Thank you, Dawn, it's great to be back. So, Bianca, tell us more about the Agility Life Solution. What are the benefits for future-focused farmers and agripreneurs? So the
2: Agility Life product range as part of the the broader Agility Agri solution is really taking all your typical group risk benefits and putting them into one solution. So we have included basic cover like life benefits just or in the case of an employee's death, a death benefit that will ensure that that their families after passing are well looked after. So as part of the, the sort of basic cover that kind of everyone understands is just having this policy of a life benefit. We've also included cover for events of disability. There's also cover provided for critical illness when you're diagnosed with, with a very serious condition. There's cover for that um, income protection, you know, and those unforeseen events where where employees can't generate an income for their families. We also provide cover for that. So as part of the the entire agility Agri solution, this forms a very big part of it and due to Agility Agri's integrated employee benefit solution, we are able to provide employers with more affordable premiums in general, you know, because it, it does form part of a broader solution that ensures that employees are covered from A to Z, you know, across all product categories.
8: You just mentioned some of the products that are offered, but how is it rolled out and how does it improve employee relations and loyalty? It's so there are a number of factors that come into play when when you do think about
2: employee loyalty and employee productivity in general. So the farming space is becoming a lot more mechanized. It's a reality that's unfortunately unavoidable, but the fact of the matter is there's a lot more specialist equipment that's being used on farms. For instance, millions and millions of rands of tractors and planters and when harvesting comes, it's a big deal. So we find that farmers are increasingly looking for skilled employees that are able to operate this kind of specialized machinery and and technology. So in attracting and retaining that level of quality employees, the group risk solution offering these employee benefits and subsidizing those um, serves as a vital tool in retaining your most valued employees and kind of not losing them to other farmers or employers out there. So, in terms of industrial relations also, you know, when it it comes to union negotiations, especially within larger farming businesses, it also, you know, adds a lot of value when employees are at least offered this level of cover. So, to give you an example, for instance, and I have mentioned in the past that for a lot of farmers, their staff, the employees on the farm becomes like family. And they very often want to assist employees you know, to, to gain access to proper cover. And we find that employers don't look after this type of life insurance. Very often have to pay for families after the death of a valued employee and kind of look after them. It's kind of this responsibility thing that's in place. And while we value it, it could become a very costly exercise if you are liable to look after employees' families. So the group risk solution then really speaks to that specific need. So employers can now inform staff that, listen, even if you don't have any sort of savings that you can leave behind for your family, at least now you have this policy that gives you that peace of mind that your family will be looked after and they will have access to funds if you're no longer there. And even more so in the case of a disability, an accident could cause a massive amount of harm. Again, you know, if it becomes the problem of the employer, of the farmer it's a very costly exercise. So it's a lot more cost effective to rather take out this group cover solution and attend to that need and and rather manage the risk in that way instead of kind of doing it retrospectively.
8: For the specific offering, does it work for any income level? And I think I've asked you this before and you've explained it to us in, in previous sessions, but does the size of your farm matter? Does the size of your business matter? Again, we built our products and the entire
2: agri-solution around the needs of the agricultural sector. And we understand that there are varying levels of income. So now it's accessible. It's available to all employees of, across all income ranges. Once again, the minimum number of employees is five. So that really acts as a golden thread, that number across all our products.
8: And then what should farmers know when considering this product? And How would they then reach out to agility angry? When farmers do consider this type of cover, there are a number
2: of aspects to be taken into account. Obviously, firstly, the amount of cover that employees will have. And then secondly, the cost. Cost is, of course, a massive contributing factor to the employer's ability to take up this kind of cover so when employers consider this take into account for instance the agility agri solution if you have sort of more than one of our products combined there's a direct discount on group risk cover rather than having this type of cover with four or five different insurers or four or five different providers rather integrate them and and have it in one place you know so you have one point of contact You have one consultant dealing with all your inquiries. You don't have to phone call centers and kind of run all over the place. So integrating everything is more cost effective. We allocate those premium discounts immediately. It's just easier to navigate and to manage at the end of the day. So I think that is probably one of the most critical aspects that farmers should look out for. What is in the long term going to be the most valuable solution to you? That's obviously at the end of the day cost effective as well. So we did talk about employee well-being one of the earlier sessions and it's important to note that we also integrate employee well-being into the group risk along with your medical scheme cover. So It creates a big picture scenario and that's the only way that you can truly manage and contain risk within your employee benefit space.
8: I must say the past few weeks has been really insightful and I know that the farmers have benefited from this and thinking about the overall business and incorporating these various elements into how they run and operate their farms and agribusinesses. In closing, anything specific that you'd like to add around Agility Life and what wrapping up for today's session? Thank you, Dawn. The agility
2: life is a key part of the Agility Agri solution. It's something that's often overlooked, but that can contribute long term value to building a sustainable business and looking after employees while simultaneously managing your both human and financial risk exposure. So, yes, no, definitely. There are options out there. And I often think people forget that what they have at the moment is not necessarily the final answer, but do that critical assessment and see. What's really going to work best for the farming business?
8: Thank you so much, Bianca Faleon, Director for Marketing, Distribution and Rewards and Agility Agri. Great to chat to you once again and everything of the best. And thank you once again for being part of this amazing campaign. From Hell Squared and Agility AgriWay. Thank you. We're very proud to be part of your team. We look forward to the coming weeks.
2: Thank you.
1: That's it for this week's Hell Squared Agri update. But on a lighter note, Chef Lufuno Sintumule absolutely loves South African cuisine, although he feels that it is still rather underrated. Now, let me tell you, his traditional deep fried tripe syrup with salt, pepper, and lemon wedges absolutely melts in your mouth. The key to perfect home-cooked South African meal is tomato and onion relish. I'll advise people to start cooking the onions for at least five minutes. We call it sweating the onions to release more flavors, building flavors to make perfect meals. Then add the tomatoes and the rest of the ingredients. Their meal will be perfect.
0: Thanks Chef Lufuno Funi Sintumele and be sure to check out his interview and recipe on foodformzanzi.co.za.
1: We've just about reached the end of this week's Farmer's Inside Track episode. But before we let you go, hydroponics farmer Byron Boyson believes diversifying your agricultural activities is crucial. He joins us now for the Farmer Tip of the Week.
0: Tip for the week, I would say diversification in your agricultural activities is very important. Where it is, that is obviously environmentally and circumstantially possible to diversify. It should be definitely on your list of priorities to do, as it will help you to mitigate, I believe, the risk of any venture, and also complement your main farming venture. So in that process, we look at crop farming, for example, and livestock farming, where those two complement each other very, very well. This can also increase your networking capability and create a bigger market to help you succeed in the overall space of agriculture. And Byron Boyson's tip of the week brings us to the end of this week's Farmers Inside Track, proudly brought to you by Foodform Zanzi. For daily inspirational stories about the farmers and agriculturalists who go above and beyond to feed South Africa, visit www.foodformzanzi.co.za or follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.
1: Yes, and remember, if you love the podcast, please rate it and share it with your friends, family members and fellow farmers. Farmers Inside Track is available for free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. But of course, also on foodformzanzi.co.za.
0: And from me, Dawn Numdu, Duncan Masiwa, and the rest of the Food for Mzanzi team, have a great week, and please give your loved ones a big hug as we keep each other safe during the COVID-19 pandemic.
5: You've been
2: listening to the Farmers Inside Track Podcast, supported by Food for Mzanzi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.